This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hear me? I did. I heard you. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need. You just say that and they show up. They come jumping out of a shrub. Oh, cool. No matter where you are in life, when you need the coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hi, my name is Lisa Kudrow. And I feel tired about being Conan's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the show where I use the podcast format selfishly to try and uh, make friends. And um, it is uh, working quite well. And I'm joined, as always, in my quest for friendship by my trusty assistant, Sona Movsesian. Hi, Sona. Hello. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. We rehearsed that for four hours, <laughs> and it went flawlessly. We're also here uh, with my hip producer, <laughs> Matt Gorley. Matt, how are you? Hi, Conan. Hi, you just seem like a hip guy. You, you think? You dress well. I'm sure that uh, you use exotic oils on your beard. I don't. Okay. I, I'm not an oil guy. I don't like oils. If anything, I'm like, put some talc or chalk on there, you know, rough it up. I don't want it smooth. You imagine no, him no. putting oil on his beard? I imagined him rubbing something into his beard, and I put oil out there to lure him into telling us what he did put into his beard. Yeah. So the <laughs> trap has been set, and uh, it has sprung. You've been captured, Gorley, yep. and you have admitted to rubbing talc <laughs> Into your beard. Really? Yes, you do. I walk into schoolrooms across the Southland and put chalk in my beard I during session. I think you do. Anyway, uh. I am either aided or some would say hindered <laughs> by these two. You be the judge. And today, uh, we're going to be talking to someone who is a very dear friend of mine. And I'm delighted to be speaking today with the incredibly talented Lisa Kudrow. We've been friends since 1985. Yeah. 1985. Six, 1986. 1986. Yeah. Oh, we disagree. Well. Not a good friendship, <laughs> but a friendship still the same. No, 1985. It's no, just- No, because we met at that class, and that class I don't think started till like January or February 1986. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I came to LA with my writing partner, Greg Daniels, right out of college. The first thing I did on my first day at work on a show called Not Necessarily the News, I think I was 22, is I picked up the phone and I called the Groundlings and said, can I get in, can I take classes? Because I wanted to do improv. They said, we're, a full, we're fully booked, but there is a class that is at the Coronet Theater mm -hmm. on La Cienega. Yep. And uh, it, it is taught by- Cynthia Segetti. Cynthia Segetti. And I said, okay, I'll do that. Because I was just desperate to start doing improv. Yeah. 
You're thinking it didn't start till January or something I like that. I think so, yeah. yeah. That's what I remember. Okay. That's so what I, I remember. I show up at this class. I don't know anybody. I walk into the class and- You weren't in the first class. I wasn't in the first class? No. I was there the first week. Oh. And you were not there the first Brown week. Brown noser. Um, well- <laughs> I was at the first class, but I didn't see you there. <laughs> because that's when it started. <laughs> so I showed up. Right. Well, I was trying and to get I, my modeling career off the ground. Right. And so well, I, sad story. So was I. But, <laughs> but I also called the groundlings and said, yeah, I want to take classes. John Lovitz said I should come, yep. thinking that that was going to open every door. And, um, and they went, well, when's the last time you like, performed or did anything? Well, junior high school. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, we're going to send you to Cynthia Segetti's class. So it wasn't we don't have room. It was we don't want you right oh. now. You go to They Cynthia might have just been Segetti's. being polite with me, but they basically told me, screw you, go to Cynthia Segetti's class. <laughs> And that's match. where we met. That's because what a good I, friend does. He, it, Matt, he comes down to your level so you don't feel so bad. You're a good friend. But I walked in and just had that feeling of, do I belong here? This, yeah. is, this is silly. I think you had the same feeling. Oh, my God. Yes. And they, the, first, the first thing they did was have us do these exercises, which are I still find embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, acting exercises where you toss a fake ball to each other. You pretend to lift something heavy. Lift uh, a disc. Lift a disc that's right. very heavy and that's not there. And of course, you two, you, you and I had been to good colleges and thought, if it's not there, <laughs> <laughs> why are we trying to lift it and why is it heavy? Just all this, you know, stuff that gets in your head. Yeah. But um, we met at that class, yeah. and I remembered watching you and thinking, she's making really interesting choices. Really? Yes. Oh. No, no, you were, I could just tell, you are really smart and you were making interesting choices. So we started chatting, and then we became really close friends right. who talked all the time. Yeah. We would go out after improv classes and sit in a coffee shop and talk about how our, we were gonna be huge one day. <laughs> Did we? I don't know if we did. No, that, that doesn't sound like you. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It, it wasn't me. I'm going to be the biggest thing ever. I now. know. <laughs> I just hope Here's I live. Here's what we're going to do. Yeah. No, that wasn't it. It, <laughs> it was just that. we would sit and talk about like, see, I don't think that's the way to go. But that person did. Yeah. I think yeah, that. I was hypercritical of other improvisers. <laughs> yes. And you, you weren't used, an improviser yet. And yeah. You were hypercritical. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would. Uh, you would scold me. Because really? you would say other people are up there trying out their stuff on stage. Mm-hmm. And if I thought it was hacky or corny, I would put, what was it? I'd put my I, my face in my hands. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I don't want to take the headphones off, but you'd put your face, your hands in like the top of your head and you would grab your hair at the root <laughs> and pull. Oh, my God. And your face, you'd have this like grimace of pain, but it, you know it didn't have to do with the hair pulling. No. Yeah. It was because someone was making a choice that I thought was great. Wasn't great. (laughs) And you said to me, people can see you. (laughs) You're in a lit theater. The lights aren't out. You're in a lit theater and someone's up there going, my name's Mrs. Goopily Poopily and I live on Poopily Lane. And I'm in the front row rocking like Rain Man, pulling my hair out and going, that's just sucks. It hurts. It hurts your genius sensibility to watch, which is what I decided was happening. Thank you. And and thought, yeah, what's he supposed to do? How can he bear it? <laughs> I don't know how he's supposed to bear it. It's really, it's mediocre. That's a genius. That's what a genius does. They can't bear mediocrity. And I respect that. However, yeah. <laughs> I think maybe I should let him know other people can see it. Yeah. Because I know he's a nice person, and if he thought he was hurting someone's feelings, he would want to stop. I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, yeah. but uh, there's no excuse for what I did. Wait, and, but but can I say yeah. one thing? And I know I've told you this before, I think. I don't know. But... I did go to the class before you got there. There was one class before you got this there. This is Cynthia Segetti's class. Cynthia Segetti's yeah. class, yeah. And I was so embarrassed for everybody and myself for those exercises and what we were doing. And then hearing some people, you know, that you could tell like they book commercials because they're perky. And, <laughs> and hearing like, great, good, yes, yes. And I'm like, oh, no. I mean, maybe I've gone mad, but that's not good. There's nothing good about any of this. And yeah. I thought, and so then I went home and thought, I guess this isn't for me. And um, yeah, I, I don't think I can do this. 
And then I just like, okay, I'll go try. I'll go to the second class. But I was late. And so you were all up on stage lifting a disc or throwing a space ball. It was lifting discs, I think. And Cynthia said, well, do you want to go up there? I was like, oh, no, no. I don't want to interrupt or, you know, intrude (laughs) or impose. I'll just, I'll sit here and judge quietly. And... And I never understood what she was talking about in that first class about, come on, everyone, commit. You have to commit, commit. I was like, I don't know know what that means. I don't know what that means, but people are getting praise for terrible acting and indicating. So I don't know. Anyway, I watched Conan was the only one. You were the only one who you were lifting a disc, but you weren't making a meal out of it. You know, you were just (laughs) pretending to be lifting a disc that had some weight. And I went, oh, I... That's something. I mean, I believe he's lifting a disc. Right. But he's not turning it into more than it needs to be. Is that what she means by commit? Oh, I think I understand this. Oh, I think I can do this. Right. Like, I'm just going to keep my eye on that guy. Well, that's nice. Because he does it in a way that's better than everyone else, and I get it, and I believe him, and then that's when we started talking. I feel like I made like a beeline for you after that exercise. Like, all, women, all women do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I had to beat a line. Hey, your improv got really good. It, all of a sudden. Uh, um, yeah, I just, I remember we would talk and commiserate and I was uh, immediately respected your intelligence, your, uh, and, and you had... Very high standards, and you weren't into the rah rah. Everything we do is good. Right. School, and I, I think that's one of the things that happens sometimes, because it's a fine line in improv or acting. You know, sometimes you go, you do an improv show, and the audience is mostly filled with people who are friends. Right. And. They're there to just say yay to right. everything. Yeah, and they're laughing at absolutely everything that's happening. And I I used to get like a little angry. Yes, I would too. I would feel any choice you made would be like, yay, they did it. Yeah. And <laughs> and I would feel almost like it's a make-a-wish or something. <laughs> like, are we sick and they're just here to cheer us on yeah. <laughs> just before we slip into the void? And it made me um, – and I realized I – that wasn't for me, and I think you felt the same thing, which is we yeah. wanted the, we wanted to be rewarded for good choices, but I was I also wanted to take my lumps for, yeah. You know, there bad should choices. be silence if something's not funny. Yeah, I mean that's how you know something's not funny. There should be silence, and then you learn and you can change it until there's a laugh and you make it funny. But that's that's what was bugging me too a lot. That I was like, don't encourage this. How are we supposed to learn anything if you're just yeah. That was also, by the way, my problem with like a friend's taping Mm -hmm. because the audience would just laugh at absolutely everything. And I know, I don't know how many times I would look out with a dirty look on my face. (laughs) I was so enraged. You were enraged. I get enraged. Really? You're laughing again? I would just look at them like, stop it. (laughs) Don't just stop. Don't do that. They can come up with something else. We're here for eight hours to shoot this damn thing. Then come up with something else. Don't encourage this. You know, not that it's dreadful or terrible. It's just, I don't know. I'm just kind of objective about it. And I really don't understand hurt feelings over criticism or, you know, I mean, to me, it's mostly constructive if it's not personal, you know. Right. But just because like something isn't funny to me is not. You don't take that personally. I don't think you can. I, I just, I, I realize, I mean, to this day, uh, I'll be in the writer's room and everyone will be throwing out ideas and I'll say, well, we could do such and such and there'll just be silence. And uh, I'll realize, yeah, that's not good. And I'm and the you host. you fire everybody. And I, well, I can, I, I do because I do because I can. Right. And then. That's a different thing. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> and then I sue them too, which is uh, probably taking it too far. To try and destroy their lives. No, but I, I think that's part of it is I like being in a system where I feel gravity, where I mm-hmm. feel like, oh, the um, if I have something really funny, I get the reward of everybody laughing. If I miss, uh, it, it didn't work. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm not going to get my feelings hurt because that's what this job is. Right. This job is being in a coal mine and you're going to get dirty and you can't – if you want to be in a coal mine, you have to accept that. Yeah. Well, it's only bad if it's – and forever after, you may never do this again because right. that one time it wasn't funny. Right. That's an issue. But I, it usually isn't. It usually doesn't come down to that. That's why 
Yeah, I never, you know, the groundlings, I loved that whole process. We would give each other notes. Because I know you went through, you made it through the um, advanced class. Yes. Well, you probably didn't appreciate other people giving you notes, but. No, I did. Because I I learned early on, uh, I got a great note. We had a teacher uh, in common, Robin. Oh, yeah. And. uh, Robin Schiff. Robin Schiff. Yeah. She was great. Robin Schiff is a great teacher, and um, I remembered her. I remember a really funny time. I think you know about this, but she was this young, attractive teacher, and I, she, I thought I was. Hey, I'm doing really well in this class, mm-hmm. and I'm making her laugh a lot. And then she said, um, she said to me, <laughs> um, "We were doing our last final show, and after that show, she said." You know, we're all going to meet at a Mexican restaurant, which was the tradition. Mm-hmm. We'd meet at the Mexican restaurant. She said, can I talk to you before we go to the Mexican restaurant? And I was like, yes, you can. <laughs> and I just, I remember it in my head being so. Oh, my God. She so, fell in love with my talent. Yeah. She saw me really laugh. And she's going to say, look, I know I'm a little older than you, but uh, <laughs> but you're not in my class. I had all these fantasies. You're not in my class anymore. And, Technically, and so, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. So she invites me in her car. So I get in her car and we go to get gasoline. She needed to get gas before she went uh, to the restaurant. So we get gasoline in her car and I like, I pump it for her. I'm like, I'll take care of that. Uh, and then I, I I get in like I fix the engine. You know? yeah. Well, it's a little trickier than we thought, but I got that unleaded in. And she was like, uh-huh, that's great. So we start, and I think, when is she going to say... Uh, you know, I have feelings I, I can't have, hide anymore. I have, I have yeah. feelings I can't hide. I have feelings I can't hide, and I, I must have that six foot four inch, one hundred and fifty five pound body now. <laughs> so, and then she said to me, "Yeah, I wanted to talk to you," and I went, "Well, you know, fire away." And she said, "Have you thought about therapy?" <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes, 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 yes. And she said, and then she said, "Because your, your mind's really quick." And, and, but sometimes it's too quick, and you're always thinking up there. Don't think. And you, but I, I think sometimes you've got to quiet. You're just, you should really get therapy. Well, here we are at the restaurant. Door slam. I loved her for doing that. She's, oh, but I mean, she did the same thing for me a few years later. By the way, I think people should know Robin Schiff is a great writer. She wrote Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yeah, she's a, she's a very talented woman. Really, really, really talented. And I think really she blew smart. it with me, frankly. Well, too. Oh. I'm sure she does too. Yeah. Um, but she also told me after there had been like a tough time and she said, you know what, I can tell because you've just reported you've been crying every day for two days. You should get therapy. And oh, so, wow. Okay. So maybe she's just telling everyone, go get therapy. Well, it was years later, yeah. you know, but, and she was right. And that was the first time I got therapy and it was the most incredibly helpful thing to me. I mean, I did really, I killed therapy. I did really <laughs> right, well. Right. I mean, she said she was done with me after like six months. Um, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if that were my attitude, <laughs> my actual <laughs> attitude about therapy? Right. I, I excelled at it. I did, I did really well. so well. I got an A in therapy. I did so, so well in therapy. <laughs> Uh, I was always struck by your intelligence, but also you are one of the most practical people. And and when you think about the cliche of not just the actor or the actress, but the actor or the actress that's blown up and become super huge, I knew you before you didn't change in any way. You're kind of, you're immune to what you think might be a false compliment. I think you're just immune to compliments in general. You're very like, hmm, that might be true. I don't know, I'll have to think about that. Right, because I'm a little bit of Rain Man. No, I mean, I feel like I am just a little, in a good way. I think there's a healthy dose of being somewhere on the spectrum, actually. I disagree completely. (laughs) I know plenty of people who are like that. Some of them are in this room now, but but, um, let's see. Oh, yeah, three. There's three. No, I'm. No, I don't get that at all. I get that you, you, you. We've talked about this before. You were always someone that has almost. I want to say like a Victorian sense of morality, yeah, principles, hard work, and I've always loved that about you. It's very rare. And you used to tell me stories about when you were, uh, you know. Uh, 
a teenage girl and your mom was just sort of trying to encourage you, like, well, why don't you go out and meet some boys and ride around in a car and have some drinks, you know? And you'd be like... <laughs> it's true. Yeah. At one time I had a boyfriend for five minutes and I was at his house and he was taking things a little too far, so I left. And I remember thinking, oh, this will be like a mother-daughter moment my, mo- my mom should treasure. And I went up to her room and woke her. I went, mom... Mom, I was just at his house, and, and I'm telling her, like, what he did. I just left. And she was like, what? And I said, well, that's what he did. She said, big deal. I'm going to sleep. My God. Like, you're so weird. My God. What's why didn't wrong? you just do big, it? Why didn't you just do it? Big deal. So what? Because my reporting was, he really crossed a line. And she was like, oh, God, big deal. But that's like, yeah. My parents, I don't know where I came from. It's really weird well, because I re- they were so different from me. They were so different from you. Your your parents would, I remember, this is, uh, okay, this is like 19, this would be 1986. Mm. And I'm new to LA, new to this business. And you were nice enough to invite me over to your house for dinner. You know, it just didn't happen. I didn't get invited. I didn't know anybody whose parent, I didn't know anybody who had parents in LA. And so I went over and sat at the table. I'll never forget this. Your parents would talk about anything. Oh boy. You know, I come from very, I come from Irish Catholic people that sex, nothing like that's ever discussed. Your dad's a doctor Mm -hmm. and your mom was very cool about talking about anything. The next thing I knew, your dad was saying, there are several positions (laughs) that you can take. Uh, that you were where you're in this position and he's in that position. Yeah. It's quite sexual, but it doesn't in any way in, in, involve baby. And I, my, I looked down at my silverware and it melted because yeah. of the body heat of my body. I couldn't. And this was like a sitcom where let's have uptight Irish Catholic boy come over to Tarzana and the most sophisticated, cool. Jewish family is going to talk about sexual positions for pregnant women. That was intense. I had to learn to be way more uptight, yeah. But then, like you said, I was always sort of this Victorian, like, ghost, you know, inhabiting this child. Yeah, and then— Because when I was young, I would watch, like, um, Cheaper by the Dozen or— Life with Father, like about these Catholic families, and I completely identified. I was like, yes, that's right. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. You know, there should Ooh, be co- another redhead. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, good. Clock that. Redheads are tricky. Yeah. Okay. Like, just like taking notes. It's like, what? Where is this coming from? Completely identified. Always just like, yeah, okay, that's a, okay. Well, that's what good girls do. All right, good. Yeah, that'll be me. Yeah, um, I'll be that person. I'll be that person then. Yeah. I wonder also- if I could be a nun. Yeah. <laughs> could I? Wait, let me think it through. Now I'm Jewish. Okay, right. I can't. You'd be a really good nun. Whatever that means, you'd be a very good nun. That's uh, what I... <laughs> yeah, you're, uh, you're tough. You're tough, too. You're, you're, Am I? Ye- well, you're tough in that you... I think you're tough on yourself. I think you're very tough on yourself. Oh. And uh, would you agree with that? I don't know. I think you have high standards. Look at him. No, because I could be tougher. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> then you, you yeah. know it's true, if that were my answer. I don't know. I'm not going to commit to anything. Oh, I see what you're Who doing. Who are we talking about? Oh, very <laughs> I just totally done. implode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Who are you talking about? I'm going mean, insane. Yeah. I don't know what I am. What are you? <laughs> yeah, but you, you, you are a uh, – you've always been someone who – Loves to think of the worst case scenario, something bad well, that could happen. Yes. That is a big part of your personality. Yes. And, and still is. And still is like, wait a minute, this could happen. And if that happened, then this would happen. And then that would happen. And then I'd be crushed underneath rocks in Peru. Right. I'd be like, what? How did you get there? <laughs> How did you do that? Which, right. is, which is funny. I should get some jewelry so I can sew it into the hems of my clothing just in case. <laughs> but you are that. I am have, that person. You are that person. Well, that's how you know I'm Jewish. Yeah. Just <laughs> looking. That's where that comes from. You're looking. You're always just the worst case scenario. It's possible. So how did you handle, you have this worst case scenario thinking and then friends explodes and you're part of the biggest cultural phenomenon of the 20, 20th century. How did you reconcile that? Were you, was there part of you that was always thinking, well, this is going well now. But then it will end yes. in six months, and then we'll all be hated, which never <laughs> happened. Oh, no, there was a backlash period. Was there? Yep, there was, because we were um, way overexposed, and there was like a Diet Coke promotional thing that, you know, we kind of had no choice but to be part of. And there was this big backlash, and um, 
Yeah, that didn't get to me, but there were six I don't of think us. most people noticed that backlash. Like now it's no, not even thought about. At it's the just, time, yeah. yeah. But I think we all met and we met with Marta, David, and Kevin who created and produced, you know, Friends. And we all just said, you know, we all just have to like deal with the task at hand. Just focus on the shows and forget about all the other stuff. But, um, but it was great to be with, I have to say, five other people going yeah. through this. But no, me and I think Jennifer, well, I know it was Jennifer. She and I would be like... All right, we got to be careful driving because this is too much good luck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know? yep. It's like yep. there's an accident waiting to happen around the corner or something like that. I remember her saying, like, yep, I got that. Mm-hmm. So she had the same. You, 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 you two were sort of alike in that it felt like this is too good. Yeah. So there's going to be something balancing compensatory, it out. balancing yeah. that's going to happen. Something will balance it out. But she's not like that. Right. Except in that moment. And then I think she got over it and, you know, is healthy. But <laughs> that kind of like, you know, just running worst case scenarios, I can't help it. Yeah. Not that it helps. I mean, and then what? You know who doesn't do that, I don't think, is Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> no, that's I've, why he's wonderful. I've become friendly with him. Yeah. He's been on the show a lot. And he's he's <laughs> just, I'm fascinated by him because he's everything I'm not. And, and I mean that as a compliment to him. He... I th- I could see friends hitting huge and him just being like you know uh, yeah well this is you know here we go and this yeah. is going to last a long time and be a huge hit <laughs> and it's time to have some fun <laughs> I'm from Newton Mass and it's all good wait yeah, I've got to say he it, it was better than that he was like you know I don't know how long this is going to last but I'm going to enjoy it while it's happening and you know what it's better than digging a ditch that's a like, great yeah that's true why can't I be like that like what. Yeah, that's everyone the right else attitude. was just sort of like, well, we're here. This is what's happening. Let's just see. Do good work. Maybe it'll keep going. And that would be great. And now he says uh, things to me. Oh, I remember actually it was at your wedding. Mm-hmm. You put me at the table yeah. with, your, with the cast. Yeah. And this is when- Yeah, the other famous person there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they had, so this would be 95. Five. And- the show's just had its first season. Yeah, and we were starting to do well, really well yes, that summer. That summer. And yeah. it was just starting to happen when I remembered that it was becoming huge. And I'm sitting at this table at your lovely wedding, and I was seated next to, like, in between Matt LeBlanc and I can't remember who I, who was on the other side. Um, but I was sitting there. I think it was Matthew Perry. And- it's starting to go super well, mm-hmm. not just well, but right. crazy well yeah. that summer. Matt LeBlanc had no idea. I remember that. Yeah. I remember he had no idea and everyone else at the table knew. And so I, Matt LeBlanc was like, I don't know, maybe we get another season. I don't oh. I think I'll get another season. And, and I said, no, 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 no. I, by the way, I'm, I'm Conan, Matt. You know, oh, hey, Conan. Yeah. Um, no, 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 no. You're going to get another season. The, there's this, the numbers this show is doing, uh, I don't know a lot about this, but I think they're the highest numbers anyone's ever seen. And he was, and, and Matt LeBlanc was going, oh, I don't know, we'll see. We got a season, but that'd be nice. I don't know. Is there bread? Is there bread coming out soon? And I was like, I was trying to get the other members of the cast to like, can you talk to him? And then I think I think it was like Matthew Perry who leaned in and went, no, 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 no. It's it's We're good. A, it's yeah. a it's a hit. It's a massive hit. And he was like, oh, good. Oh, hey, the bread's here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we got to pay for the drinks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't pay for the drinks. Oh, the drinks are paid for. Oh, we're good. All right, let's That's take so a. Uh, we're going to take a quick break uh-huh. where we make a lot of money and you get none of it, Lisa. Oh. None. Well, is that none. fair? I guess none. you get none. All right. Uh, now it's time for the segment. Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point. I just like to be honest with my listeners that I did buy a beach house did take out a rather large mortgage and then uh, took a loan against that mortgage, which was a mistake. So I um, need to pay them bills. <laughs> pay them bills, pay them bills, dollar bill, dollar bill. Yeah, you're so hip. Yes, I am. You're so hip and cool. Well, and you have the lingo down. I come from the streets. Do you? And I'm wicked in the sheets. Ew, mm. ew, come what? on. What happened there? Uh, you lost just, both me and Gorley. Gorley. Every sponsor. What happened? I'm <laughs> wicked in the sheets. Yeah, does that, does, that, well, isn't that something people say? Yeah, but now the locked eye contact is making it even. <laughs> I'm staring at you, Gorley, and yeah. you're threatening me with a paper clip. I'm just He is holding a paper clip up at me as if 
He's got a dagger, but it's a paperclip. This is not meant to be a threat. This is a gesticulation aid. Oh, my God. <laughs> you just said a gesticulation oh, aid. God. And I locked eyes with you. Uh, anyway, I like to be honest. I think that's good. There's a lot of people that read ad copy and you wonder, why are they doing this? I'm telling you why. I bought a beach house, not a large one, and it was quite an investment. And people told you not to do this. You've hired people who've told you never to do this. When people give me advice I don't want, I fire them. Oh, that's... So I got rid of those people until I found an accountant who is really fine with me just buying whatever I want. And he says, we'll figure it out later. His name's Sergio. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know his last name. I don't even think he has an office. And he's a cash-only guy. I think he's working out of your beach house. He might be. He just says, that's his motto is, don't worry about it. It says it on his business card. Which he only has one of. He always asks. <laughs> he keeps it. He always asks for it back. He gives it to me. Is it laminated? No. Oh, it's paper. And then he says, "I, I need that back." And I'm like, Sergio, you just gave it to me. I, I need it back. It just says Sergio, business manager, and I think it's managers misspelled. I think it says business manger. <laughs> and then he's, and then it says underneath, "Don't worry about it." But then the awkward part is, goes like, "I kind of need that back," so I give it back to him. It's getting really rumpled. Uh, crinkled uh, but anyway well should we sell some ads should why we do you, some ads why are you crying I don't know it's just <laughs> things have been tough lately here at the podcast okay alright let's sell some good quality stuff okay you know it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check terrific, out brunch. Blay. That's brunch. all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loudspeaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Is your money just sitting around being lazy? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't like Get that. Get a job, money. No, that's not what I oh. meant. But in a way, it is what I meant. Okay. That's a good point, Sona. You have hard-earned cash, and it should always be working towards a better financial future for you. Your money shouldn't be sitting around, you know, watching reruns on TV and eating nachos. It should be working <laughs> for you. Well, guess what? Robinhood pioneered commission-free stock trading over a decade ago. They continue to offer innovative products to help you maximize your money's potential. That's good. You got to have that money working for you, man. Yeah. With over 23 million funded customers, Robinhood is helping people build a better financial future. With Robinhood, it's simple to make investments towards your future goals, whatever those may be. We all have some bucket list items to cross off, and Robinhood has tools to help you pursue them. Investing a small amount now could make a big difference 30 years down the road. That's good. Isn't that a nice thing? Give yourself 30 years from now a gift of what you do now. <laughs> it's nice to be in the driver's seat and have autonomy when making investments, which is easy to do with Robinhood. Take your financial future by the reins. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. Investing involves risk and loss principle is possible. Remember that? Other fees may apply. Returns are not guaranteed. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker-dealer. Come on, if most people are being honest, 
no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Yeah. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's important that I, I get something out here, uh, which is that in 1993, the late night show starts to appear on the horizon. And uh, Lauren Michaels suggested to me that, uh, started to approach me first about producing it. And I didn't want to do that. And I partied company with him a little bit. And then he called back and said, you know, we're looking around. Would you be interested possibly in auditioning to host? And I had a huge panic attack. And I asked different people, people that are really close to me in my life, if Letterman left and what if I, out of nowhere, took over for him? How would you feel like that? And the common reaction was, oh, man, um, really? I mean, no, you're, you're funny and... But you, but a lot of that, and then Lisa, exclusively, was the only person in my life who said, "You have to do that. You have to do that. You're the perfect person to do yeah. that. It's what you have to do." And you kind of made me do it. Yeah. And I oh. don't know if you really? had not been in my life, I don't know what I would have done. Oh, wow. But I was incredibly insecure about doing it and had all the appropriate fear. I was not deluded. Right. I knew that I, yeah. I, I don't have the chops yet. I don't. And you just kept saying, you are the only person to do it. Yeah. I know what I know. You had this certainty and you had no patience for me even questioning it. And I leaned on that. And I've always been indebted to you. And I've wanted to say this. I don't know if you hadn't been in my life if I would ever have done this show. I honestly don't wow. think I would have ever done. Uh, you were the one person that said you have to do it. Yeah. And I was pretty clear on that. You were chillingly clear. <laughs> no, I was. You and knew I, it was scary. I'm not saying, look, I'm not a psychic guy, but sometimes I get very clear on certain things. And it's like, I know what I know. And the, no one that we all knew of, could replace David Letterman. Right. So it ha We were all me, in awe of him. It yeah. has to be someone that no one knows. Mm -hmm. That's the only possibility. And you were perfect, super funny, really smart, can talk to anybody. So it just, that was to me like, yeah, all right, good. The light bulb went off for Lauren and that he's exactly right. And yeah, you have to do it. And And I knew also you would prepare and do everything you'd have to do. Right. You, you know. knew I'd worry so much that I prepared well. it that <laughs> I prepared it I prepared like crazy. Well, I wanted to try to like, you know, at least reassure you enough that maybe some of the worry wouldn't be there, but just like Yeah. Yeah, of course it has to be you. You're the perfect this makes perfect sense. It's not crazy. It's so crazy because anybody listening to it now, if you know the story and this is how history works, once you know the story, you think, I'm sure there's, there's still people out there that think, mm, maybe not late night for Conan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but whatever, you know, I, I think he'd be, uh, he'd be, he'd be a good lawyer. Um, but now it doesn't sound as impressive, but I'm telling you, I couldn't find anybody that was that, Wow. you had a religious conviction and, and I lived off of that. 
Yeah, it wasn't t- just trying to make you feel better about it either. It, I that I believed it because You're right. this was, it was before like the f- a religious conviction. This was before the fact. You could have. I hadn't done anything yet. I hadn't even auditioned. You could have said, "I don't think so." You know, you're going to get hurt. People are going to rip the shit out of you. Uh, it's going to be nasty, and you could end up being like kind of a national joke. And you didn't say that. You just uh, so I, I that was that was crucial for mm-hmm. me. That was a way in which. You know, there's this conceit on this show about me finding a friend and, and, uh, but I did want to say in all seriousness, that is a way in which you've been one of the best friends in my life, seriously. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted that recorded and then put in a time capsule because <laughs> you, you single-handedly, I think, convinced me to take this big leap that I don't, wow. I don't think I would have taken if you hadn't been there. Yeah. That's amazing. So I have a cash gift for you today. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my God, it yeah. just got so much better. Yeah. Twi- no, that was great. 12,000. That that's, that's everything. <laughs> 12,000 is everything. $12,000 Canadian. Funny. As yeah. you were saying 12,000, I was saying that's everything. <laughs> and, and that is what it turns out I meant. So I am psychic. Yeah. No, that means a lot. That means a lot to me. I knew what I knew. Yeah. I don't even know if I said to you, I knew this is going to happen. You are going to do this. The audition's a technicality. I think I said that to you, You did, too. yeah, you did. It's like, this is happening. It's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know why or how. I just knew what I knew. Right. Isn't that weird? It is really weird. It's one of those, I think we're both very practical people. Yeah. That's one of those moments in my life that I can't understand. I don't understand it because you just said, nope, this is happening. Yeah. And you'll see. And then it happened. And here we are. 20, almost 26 years later and- Only 26 years? Is it 26 years later? All right, let's yeah. say that. I think so. Okay. Uh, and then you're just, yep, wow. I told you. Yeah. And then uh, you didn't mention the podcast at the time. I didn't. I didn't see that. <laughs> that was a just, You should have said, surprise. there will be a thing, radio will come back <laughs> as a podcast. And be like, what? Well, why would, if I had a TV show, why would I be doing radio? No, you'll see, it's going to be niche- um, right. No, and, but you're not done. There's still something else you're going to do. I don't know what it is. Look as if you're talking to a psychic. <laughs> but no, I mean, I also know that. And I don't know. That's, I just need to come to you for all, all the answers. <laughs> but I have zero answers. What's right. an answer? And no, no, you're going to do something else. No, I mean, you got some stuff coming. You know. Yeah, you'd be a terrible. No one would pay you as a psychic. <laughs> Tell me what's going to happen. I have my crystal ball. Yeah, some stuff's going to happen. You'll yeah, see. Something's going to happen. But what is it specifically? <laughs> uh, some stuff. Some anyway. Stuff. I can't tell. You know. Give me 50 bucks. You will know. Yeah, that's what I can say. You will know when it's time for you to know. This session's over. Yeah. You get, something happened recently that was so Lisa, Uh-oh. where the, it was it was in the news that there was going to be a, a friend's reunion, another false rumor that there's a friend's reunion. And you like read it in the paper. I think you're still reading the newspaper. Oh. <laughs> you read it and you got your, you told me that you got, that you believed it. And got your feelings hurt that you hadn't been contacted, <laughs> and yeah. believe and believe that you wouldn't be part of a friends reunion, and that you, and you were almost accepting of it. Not believed, but just wondered and decided like anything's possible. I mean, I guess it's possible. And you thought I that they would. It's possible. And you, that you thought it was possible that they wouldn't call you. I just, you know. Anything's possible. That's what I say hope to do. You know, like, brace yourself. There could be a friends reunion, and they're just going to do it with the five of them and not you. And, yeah. and you not know, even and that's contact gonna, And not you. even contact, because that would be awkward, and no one wants to hurt your feelings. Yeah. So they just won't tell you. I just love They'll they're just like, do it. You make all the calls. Like, I did. Oh, yeah. I got Schwimmer. Would you, would you, you talk to, yeah, I got Aniston. <laughs> Who's going to call Lisa? Let's not call Lisa. <laughs> do we need? Do we really need Did her? Need Did she really add anything? Well, it was so hard to make her fit into the group. Remember the pilot? Oh, trying to justify why they're friends with that thing. That was the that was the whole week of the pilot. I was, was like, I'm going to get fired, and I'm going to get fired. The, was that the week of the pilot? You, you, the week of the pilot was sort of you know there were these moments of. See, yeah, no, that doesn't help. We need to figure out. <laughs> we need to figure out how to justify why all these people are friends with Phoebe. <laughs> and it's like here I am. And Jimmy Burroughs, you know, we're rehearsing. He's like, oh, all right, you know what, Kudrow, go under the table. 
that monologue you have, do it from under the table. Like the whole cast is sitting around the kid Monica's table as Rachel's about to cut up her credit card. Yeah. I don't remember anything about the show, but I remember this. Sure, of course. And um, he's like, so do your mon- do it from under the table. I'm like, under the table? What do you mean? He's like, you know, you're quirky. Do it under the table. <laughs> like, but I can't see anybody. Who am I talking to from under the table? That's what's funny. Uh, all right. And so I do it and, you know, it's completely flat it's terrible at the run through yeah. and the producers go um they're so sweet david crane is really nice like um and lisa um that's a funny idea for you to be under the table i'm not sure that it works though as if it was my that's not your pitch. idea yeah as if like let me just do this it's hilarious and they're gonna love it and and i thought oh, i'm getting fired yeah and now i'm gonna get fired because i have no instincts and and then God bless Jimmy Burroughs. He was like, no, no, that was my idea. We don't have to do that. I was like, oh, my God, thank you. Whew, thank you. That's, so yeah. that's how I almost got fired, but not in my head. I think you probably almost got fired in your head many times. Just that. Just time. That one time. I oh. swear to God. <laughs> okay, just really? that time. Okay. Just that time. Right. But um, yeah, but that was a thing. Like, why are they friends with this crazy person? <laughs> so, and I kept saying, like, well, if they act like they're friends with me then I think everyone will believe that they're friends with me. Like if they don't start, if they don't roll their eyes after everything I say, or right, right. <laughs> then I think we can sell the world on the idea that we're friends. <laughs> that must be, yeah, true. Like I don't know how, I can't, I don't know if you're like me in that I can't connect to, I have people come up and say, remember that time that you did such and such and I never know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. You made so many Friends episodes that have been seen by everybody 10 times around the world, mm-hmm. you don't have- I don't emo- watch them 10 times. No, but also you don't have an emotional connection to that moment when you fell out the window into the butterscotch. Right. Uh, you know, they remember <laughs> that, that episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 Never happened. The one right. about the butterscotch. Actually, but- I'm thinking, wait, I fell into butterscotch? Yeah. But <laughs> I could how probably- how much I don't remember? Yeah. That's terrible. But yeah. you don't have an emotional, <laughs> and it's interesting, people that are into it don't understand. They don't understand that you don't have that right. emotional connection to that moment because that was a day in your life 15 years ago or right. whatever. I know. Well, this will sound really nutty, but also because I was being Phoebe, so right. I, I don't store- those memories, right? if that makes any sense at all. Nope, you lost me. Okay. <laughs> Take her away, boys. I mean, I'd become <laughs> Phoebe, so. <laughs> I just started no, that makes talking sense. to myself, Phoebe. That makes like sense. That. Um. So I have had the experience of, because <laughs> you went on to do... One of the things I've always loved is that you take on these incredibly... these different projects that are very smart, that are very different. You and not did... crowd pleasers? No, well, like, <laughs> I, I love the comeback. And I, I have to tell you, yesterday, someone started asking me, out of nowhere, is she going to make more of the comeback? Is Lisa mm. going to make more of the comeback? And first of all, I was, you know, I didn't know this person and I didn't know why they weren't asking me about what I was up to. <laughs> so Issue I, number one. <laughs> so I noted that. You know, I've got some stuff coming too, you know. There's a podcast. Radio's back. Yeah. <clears throat> no, no, no. The comeback. But I love the comeback. But I used to tell you this. Because I care about you and feel connected to you, when the, when the other characters were being really cruel to you mm-hmm. on that show... It upset me. Yeah. It used to upset me. My and I husband used to... has the same issue. Oh, is it really? Uh-huh. Michelle felt the same way? Yeah. Michelle can't. He's never seen. I mean, he he's seen like one or two episodes. He can't. He can't get through it. He visited the set the first season and he saw a scene and he just like looked around at like some of the writers and just went, who wrote that? Yeah. <laughs> who wrote that for my wife to have to? Live through, yeah, and they just went. Uh, she did it, like <laughs> you did it. Where do you think I've been? Yeah, like before we started shooting, I was in the writers' room, we were writing it, and he, yeah, he, he couldn't handle it. Now I don't understand it. I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand it. It's it's there's a. It's not me unless it is me, and I don't know it. No, no, no. You it's know, not. But... It's not that it's you, <laughs> but it is you're playing the part. And you're really this vulnerable character who's attempting this comeback. 
there was an actor in particular who's so good mm. who played the head writer, Polly. Polly G. Lance Barber. Yeah. yeah. Lance Barber. He's Damn. on Young Sheldon. He's yes. great. Yeah. He is a terrific actor, but yeah. he's so good at being Ugh. absolutely cruel to you. Yeah. And I would watch it with my wife and I would get upset and I would be like, I don't. I don't, it bothered me that right. someone was being that mean to you, which is a credit to you and to Lance and to everyone who made the show. Right. You get invested in it. I didn't like it. I didn't right. like that. I, I love the show, but I didn't like that you were being put through the ringer. Right. But you were willing to be put through the ringer, which I think made it an amazing show. Right. Well, I mean, look, I don't think I've ever been treated that poorly, but I mean, I, I think being in this business, you are being put through the ringer. Yeah. I mean, well, meat grinder. That's why our poster was, you know, her throwing herself with a big smile on her face into a meat grinder yeah. because you're signing up for it. But I mean, that's what it is. You know, if you're a guest star on a show and, you know, they just don't have time to be nice to you. They're busy. They're trying to figure out their other stuff. And, you know, it's it can be it's hard. You have to be completely egoless. You have to be tough yeah. Yeah. and understand what's and not take anything personally, you know? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I I loved every I love every moment playing that woman. Yeah. Every moment that even like she's <laughs> clocking being hurt, but then thinking it okay, that never happened and all of a sudden everything's fine. And yeah, she's like, yeah. Stand around, I'll tell you what to think. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. You know. Yeah, she's I just relentless. Love that. She's relentless. She's relentless. And then there's like a part of that at first, you know, I'd be when we were came up with that character and and you know, and working it out, I I thought I was I I was making fun of her. But as we were going on, I started to admire her that well, she's tough. Yeah. It turns out she's tough as nails. She knows what she wants. And here's, unfortunately, you know, the moat full of crocodiles you have to cross to get there. And all right, no problem. I'll do it. I'll just walk, <laughs> step lightly. You know, like. Oh, hey, he took my ankle off. But... <laughs> That's all right. Got another one. Yeah. I mean, she's just, everything's fine. It's fine. Here's yeah. how. And that's, there's a big part of me that rationalizes things, you know, sometimes <laughs> to my detriment. But I don't know. I, that was so fun to me. So, but I understand that people had a problem watching that, especially that first season. Plus, because it was like 2005, I think. Right. You know, when we did that. And um, I don't know. Well, I don't, I I don't want to say any more about it. The, uh, yeah. Okay, I just ran out of thoughts. That's a good way to end a sentence. And I'm done. <laughs> I'm done, period. Uh, you mentioned uh, your husband. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I've spent a lot of time with your husband, uh, Michel. Yes. Uh, one of the uh, handsomest men. Yes. Continues to be. Yeah. One of the most, and he's effortlessly handsome. He yes. just, he's this incredibly uh, good looking, worldly guy with a great sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, I, I love being around him and aspire. At times I'm around him and I'm like, I want to be like Michelle. He just is always dressed well and yeah. he's funny and he has a French accent, which I think gets you 50% oh, yeah. uh, off everything in life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> doesn't, that, doesn't he get discounts because he has a French accent? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. Well, a lot of times people think, some people think he's like doing a caricature of a French guy. And yeah. I'm like, no, that's, that was him. Or maybe I should keep it to myself, you know? Well, he does insist on, he's the one that always orders the wine. Yeah. Whenever we go out, he orders the wine and he yeah. really orders it carefully and smells it. And he does the thing that a French caricature would do. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know. He's just missing, you know, the baguette and a beret on his head. And a bicycle. <laughs> yeah, and a bicycle, exactly. But I feel like he's a good uh, counterweight to, yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of marriages are, is you find the person who can yeah. not bring what you bring to the table, but bring something different to the table. Yes. You know, and you have all of these superpowers and then he has these strengths in this completely different area where he's able to say like, oh, my baby, you don't worry about it. You know, it's gonna yeah. be. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, yeah, it's true. I don't know what to say without getting all, you know, <laughs> goopy about it. But, you know, Aww. I don't know. I had a bad, all right, I had a bad dream last night. And you know, like when you want to scream at the villain in your dream and you're paralyzed, right? You can't. And somehow I was able to get out really clearly a no. And I thought, oh, because when I heard it coming out of my mouth, it woke me up. And Michelle had grabbed me and yanked me to him, like rescued me. And that wasn't a dream. He did it. 
That's fantastic. Just this morning, I was kind of blown away. And then we woke up and I went, you rescued me. And he went, yes, my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, who was the villain? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I didn't know him. Oh, you didn't know him? No, I didn't know him. It's not like a famous person. No, no. Was it it Gerald? Was it Gerald Ford? Yes. (laughs) No, it it wasn't. wasn't No, it was former President Gerald Ford. (laughs) No, it wasn't. I want a specific. It person. wasn't, but I sense it was sort of like a, you know, like a neo-Nazi type something. I don't know what it was. And I think, I don't know, it was an argument that, you know, because it's me, I knew it was going to end in he was going to try to kill me. So, um, yeah. That's <laughs> just great. Like, no. <laughs> I think my wife would push me away. <laughs> I've got to get up in an hour to get to the... <laughs> to, the, to the bus stop. Get out. Well, have you tried to rescue her? No, I haven't. Maybe. She, see? <laughs> I know your wife. No. She's the best. She's very good. She's God, good I wife. love her. Doesn't rescue me in bed, though. Well, oh. <laughs> I'm going to try that tonight. I'm going to cry. I'm going to test her. And see if she tonight. I'm going to wait, and, and I'm going to I'm going to yell out, "No, no, you're getting me, no!" And see, <laughs> does Liza pull me towards her to protect me, or does she or push, smack you awake, or to smack say shut you up. awake and say, "Shut up, go to a, go to the guest room. <laughs> I've got to get up soon." And I know what I'm betting on. Uh, Lisa, what? I times up. Ooh, not hashtag. Just. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. No. Are you going to speak up for me in the when they when they when they come for me in the hashtag? I don't up? know your life. <laughs> no, yes, yes, of course I will. I don't know. Oh, I like how you quickly separated yourself from me. Well, I don't know your life. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. Please, uh, I've I've made myself. Why? What? No, I've ruthlessly. I've yeah. ruthlessly for I've ruthlessly for many decades made myself asexual, uh, and I that's my protection. And it's paid off. See, it's paid off. All <laughs> those years, people saying maybe a little more sex appeal. <laughs> and you're like, no, there's nope. a reason. I don't know why. There's a in bad this time moment. coming. There's a bad time coming. But I know it. I know. And I'm going to be gender neutral. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny if I also got crazy? And you're the one who told me. Be asexual. <laughs> It'll pay off. You said on. I know what I know. In '86, you said I know what I know. Gender neutral. <laughs> Lisa, spending time with you is one of my favorite things in the world. Me too. And um, I, it's just so weird to have you come in because this is how we talk anyway. And that there's microphones here, and uh, I'm going to make tens of dollars off of this. Um, <laughs> this was this was a real treat. I love you, and I thank you so much for being here. And uh, and I want to let's let's get another dinner on the books right. where I get to spend time with your husband. Okay, my true love. <laughs> That's true. Oh my god, he's got great hair. He's just got great hair, great silvery hair, and he's mm-hmm. always got a cool tan. Yeah, he's handsome. He's really good looking. He is. All right, Scott Weird. There's no one better than Lisa Kudrow. I'll say that. I'll say that now, and I'll say it forever. Thanks, Conan. Love you. Love you too. Peace out, Tupac. What? Why did I ruin it with Tupac? I don't know. <laughs> And now it's time for a segment called Conan O'Brien Pays Off the Mortgage on His Beach House. Save big money on everything. Now at Menards. Make quick work of your outdoor cleaning project with Master Force Outdoor and Landscaping Tools. The 80-volt cordless trimmer is powerful, efficient, and hassle-free. So you spend less time working on your yard and more time enjoying the results. On sale now through May 19th. Check out our wide selection of Master Force tools and see the rest of our deals on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Okay, this is a bit of an experiment. I have been traveling in Sydney, Australia, shooting a show, a travel show, a Cone Without Borders episode. Also did a live show while I was there, kind of lost my voice, but I think it's coming back. Uh, and now I'm on an airplane <laughs> along with Mr. Aaron Blair. Hey, everybody. Uh, we found a small nook of the airplane. <laughs> I don't know if we're allowed to do this, but uh, Blair, you've set up some <laughs> podcast equipment. There's a lot of wires all over the floor. Yeah. No, it really is in this day and age uh, surprising that we haven't been tackled yet. We are 7,430 miles from Los Angeles. We have about 13 hours until our flight lands. If you had to guess, what would the outside air temperature be? I would say it's 32 degrees below Celsius. Yeah. 
Uh, and in Fahrenheit, that would be uh, minus 26. That's a great guess. Yeah. I wanted to just talk briefly yeah. because I think the point of this podcast, part of it is to entertain. I want to say about 5% of it is to entertain. And I think 95% of it is for people to learn more about me. That's right. And really get to know me. And so I thought maybe I'd talk quickly about my travel routine. That's something people are probably... I travel a lot. People probably want to know what my routine is. Yeah. And you do have a very specific routine. I do. I'm wearing a very comfortable sweatpant that looks like regular pants. They're like dress sweatpants. Like dress sweatpants. I could uh, go run a marathon right now, or I could go to a bat mitzvah. <laughs> In case uh, a bat mitzvah breaks out on the plane. Often. You're ready. Or a bris. I think there's a bris in, uh, in business class. I'm currently, you're probably wondering what I'm reading. You're a voracious reader. I'm reading Robert Caro's book, Working. It's a book on his working methods. And I'm also uh, reading Chernow's book on General Ulysses S. Grant. Here's what I do. Whenever I read a book on a historic figure, uh-huh. I, in a way that's probably sick, I see parallels between his life and mine. Oh, no. So I'll be reading about his siege of Fredericksburg, and I'll think, yeah, that's like the time I got into a fight with my landlord <laughs> in L.A., <laughs> this is back when I was paying $380 a month for an apartment, and we got into a squabble. I held out the way Grant held out. <laughs> I could read about Julius Caesar, you know, fighting the Gauls, and I'll be thinking, yep, that's me. That's me that time that I thought that they overcharged me at the Rite Aid for my hand cream. So, um, yeah, it's sad. But uh, I will drink a lot of water. And I will go to the bathroom to urinate every eight minutes. That's a lot of very specific information. I am very good at urinating. Everyone has things they do well. Okay. As I'm urinating, yes. if you're standing outside the bathroom I'm using, you'll hear me shouting, I'm good at this. Was it a God-given gift or is it through a lot of practice? It's like anything else, practice. How do you stay healthy? I didn't road? this trip. I got <laughs> sick. Well, you've noticed. Right, I get, that's true. Yeah, you're, I shake a lot of hands. Yes. It's just a habit I've had my whole life. But after I shake someone's hands, I immediately lick my, the palm of my hand. Yeah, I was wondering about that. That's I always lick my, the palms of my hands and say, mmm, good handshake. <laughs> but, um, you know, we're here. We're traveling. This is another thing to do. This is another travel tip. Moisturize a lot while you're on the plane. Oh, is that right? Yeah, bring some moisturizer. Moisturize your face. Moisturize your hands. I like to moisturize my chest. That's... And uh, my upper thighs. Not, um, it's not normal. Just constantly keep areas moist uh, because a plane will dehydrate you. Do you like a scent or n- unscented? No, no. no uh, well, if it's going to be a scent, I want it to be something like uh, beef. <laughs> I like to smell like a flank steak <laughs> that's been cooked medium rare with scallions. Like that's, you, the, that's the scent I like. Like you just came out of a Mongolian barbecue. Here's another good thing you can do to kill time on a flight. I yeah. like to walk up and down the aisles. Mm-hmm. And introduce myself to people. Oh, okay. Try and get the word out on my career. If they have their sleep mask on, (laughs) I just lift the sleep mask, poke them. They're often a little startled. And then I say, hey, Conan O'Brien, TBS, I'm on 11. You can also see my travel shows on Netflix. They get upset, invariably. And then I explain to them, look, uh, this is the profession I've chosen. Yes. And you chose to be on a flight with me, so... You know, 25 years in show business. It's not an accident. Every flight you're on, no, it's, pretty, it's pretty clearly an accident. Yeah. <laughs> it's up there with a, it's like an oil spill. It's a bad accident. <clears throat> Here's another thing you can do to, on a long flight. Yes. Folks, if you're listening, record a podcast. <laughs> Always bring recording equipment with you and an affable sidekick and record a podcast. Yeah. Why not? What? We have 15 hours. We have 15 hours. I think this should be a 15-hour episode. I think people should. And I can keep giving you updates. We are now at 575 miles per hour. We've picked up speed over the Pacific. Do you have an estimated arrival time? Well, I just have to guess, but I'm going to guess it's going to be 5.55 a.m. in Los Angeles. I think one thing I've always admired about you is you keep in shape. Thank you. And uh, you were showing me some stretches. Really, I like to do a lot of invasive crotch stretches on a plane. I like to do that stretch. It looks like you're crouching down on the floor. Yeah. It really does look like, you know, I, I don't know how to say it, like you're defecating, but, but you're not. <laughs> right, you're not. Right. Occasionally it happens. But, you know, I, I don't know how loudly. What do you think it's going to sound like? 
I am listening to this uh, on noise canceling headphones, and it is a very loud. <sighs> yeah, that is the that's the sound of this flight, this Qantas Airlines flight. They are not paying me any money to say this, but this is a good airline. It is, and one thing that actually that's kind of great I've never seen before that Qantas does is they gave us all pajamas, a top and a bottom. They just gave me a top. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's. And I said, "Where's my bottom?" Mm-hmm. And they said, "Exactly," and they gave me a meaningful look. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm. <laughs> Jet-lagged, under-moisturized, and babbling like a chimp. I will say one thing I think that uh, surprised me about, and this happened on tour as well, is uh, you have a certain uh, regimen in the morning yes. that you like. A certain yeah. uh, There's a consistency, something you always eat. Yeah, I bring uh, puffin cereal with me in a little bag. I eat my puffin cereal. I think it's the most emasculating thing in the world to carry your own breakfast cereal. To, and I've, I've often been humiliated, but... I like to, I like it because it's you know it's a fairly healthy cereal. It's yeah. very low in sugar. But to walk into a dining room and have the hostess see you, I yes, I'm a married man and I'm a faithful married man. But I would still like women to see me as a everyone help wants, me out. Everyone wants to be wanted. A, a sexual being. A sexual being. Thank you. Yeah. A, I hate walking into the dining room when I'm traveling to get eat my breakfast and I have a little you know I have that little wax bag that comes inside the cereal. Box, yes. And it's got the puffins in it. And I have a little elastic band around it. And it's all rolled up. And they always say the same thing. What will you be having? And I say, well, I'll, you know, I'll have coffee and I'll have some orange juice and just an empty bowl and some almond milk. And then I hold up the bag and I say, and I already have my puffins. And this, my, is a, this is a real thing. This, this is, is a actually, real thing. This is a true thing. You're not kidding. I'm not me. I go, oh, I've got my puffins. And <laughs> I hold up this sad, wrapped up wax bag with elastic. And I can see right then and there they know that I am incapable of procreating. That there is no seed in this man. There is no sexual threat here. This is why my wife never worries about me on the road. Because she knows that the greatest prophylactic in the world is my bag of puffins <laughs> that I carry into the dining hall. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yes. Listen. Uh-oh. Okay, right now, this is the no podcast announcement. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Maybe just a little bit of turbulence from time to time, so I would suggest that while you're not moving around the cabin that you do... Oh, and uh, just one other announcement. If anyone on board is uh, recording a podcast, uh, please uh, cease immediately. It's in violation of uh, international rules. I will say it is funny because we are sitting in this weird little nook and, and flight attendants keep coming around the corner and going like, oh, oh. Like, yeah, they act scared because your uh, podcast equipment, and, I mean, it could be anything. It's chaos. It really yeah. does look like it fires surface-to-air missiles. So. It's chaos. There's a lot of lights and wires everywhere. I think we should wrap this up. It's I a think, mess. I think we're minutes away from being seized. How do you plan on spending the rest uh, the next 14 uh, hours and 40 minutes? Uh, I, I want to meet everyone on the plane. <laughs> Sounds good. Can they go up into the cockpit and talk to those guys? Oh, Lord. I like to make surprise announcements. <laughs> Okay, from 31,000 feet, that's uh, minus 35 degrees Celsius, Qantas Airlines flight, this is Conan O'Brien, wishing you all very little turbulence in your day. Conan O'Brien needs a friend, with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White and the White Stripes for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>